I wanted to start today uh, with a little something which I hope will be accessible to you, whether you're, uh, I think the thing is 7 or 70, or perhaps somewhere in between. Um, I just wanted to start by thinking about this word significance. Now, significance is a long word, but it means how much impact can I have? That's even quite a How important am I? Do I matter? Um, there's an African proverb that says, that says, if you think you're not very significant, try spending the night in the room with a mosquito. <laughs> you know that feeling when you're just falling asleep and you hear that in your ear? That's, that's not my favourite moment. But, but we can be significant, not just because we irritate people. Children, that's very important for you to understand that. Owen, that's very important for you to understand. <laughs> We're significant because of who God has said we are. And um, here's, a, here's a little cartoon I'm going to show you. Um, it's a story of a man called Moses, who many of you will have heard of. And, uh, and it's, it's a moment where he has a, a life-changing encounter with God. And God says some things about him and gives him a particular thing to do that completely changed his life. But... He's not very keen. He feels more like the mosquito than, than the significant thing. So let's just watch this little program. Be careful. I've never seen anything like that. I've got to take a closer look. to the midst of the fire. Moses. 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 I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. Taken off my shoes. Uh, sir? I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cries, for I know their sorrows. Therefore, I will send you, Moses, to free them, and you will bring my people to serve me upon this mountain. Who am I, Lord, to do this? If I go back to Egypt and say I'm sent by God, nobody will believe me. They'll, they'll ask me, what God? What's this God's name? What will I tell them? I am that I am. You will say, I am has sent me. This is my name forever, and they will believe you. Now go. I will be with you. 
They're going to need more than my word. Moses, cast your staff onto the ground. Now pick it up by the tail. your judgment, but I'm not that great a speaker. Use your brother Aaron to help you. Do as I have instructed, Moses. I will be with you. Okay, so the first thing I wanted everyone to be thinking about this morning is um, the significance of where we are. See, Moses was just in a really ordinary place, in a really ordinary place, doing something he did every day, and he saw something very unusual, and God spoke to him out of that peculiar bush that burned but didn't get consumed. And the thing that made that place special was the presence of God. There's a really weird thing, isn't there, children, in that story? I always think it's a bit weird that, that what God says to him, because he's in a holy place, is he needs to take his shoes off. Now, I know that most of you probably don't want to take your shoes off this morning, so I'm not going to... Uh, encourage you to do that, but it always seems a bit of a strange. In fact, there are some people you'd really rather not have take their shoes off, aren't there? But the funny thing is that what that's about is that when we go through life, we pick up stuff, and um, it doesn't all belong to God. If you walk along at certain alleys near here, this morning I walked across the railway bridge from my house, if you've ever walked along there, you have to be very careful where you place your feet, because there's little messages left by our furry friends along quite a few of the areas, and you have to be very careful what you tread in. And it's a bit like that when you go through life, you have to be very careful sometimes about what you tread in, and you can't bring that stuff before God, but God cleans us now so that we're made completely clean before us, before him. So God's presence makes the place where we are this morning special. It makes it holy, which means it completely belongs to him. There is no part of this place this morning where we are that doesn't belong to him. 
There's no space for any darkness here this morning. The Bible tells us if we come to, if we come to meet with one another and we've got uh, like dark thoughts or, or sin in our heart, we need to, we need to ask God to, to cleanse us. We need to confess that before him because that doesn't belong in his presence. And God's made us to be clean so we can live in that freedom. So we know when we've got things wrong, God can put them right. And he, we can be real before him because he knows us completely. And, you know, each one of us has got a part to play when we come together this morning. And I want us to be alert to that. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, each one of us has a part to play. Now, I'm only talking for a few minutes now. That's really pretty much what I wanted to say. Uh, this morning's meeting will only be about an hour long. Um, and uh, there will be time for the younger children to go out later um, when the parents is going to be able to, to look after them for a while and do some fun things. Um, I should say that if you're with a child this morning, please can you not let them go out this way because there's some building work going on. The building, the whole area, your children need to be supervised in, so they shouldn't be going out and just playing. Please can you keep an eye on them, but particularly as there's building work out that way. Okay. Good. You see, what was the thing that God kept saying to Moses there? He kept saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Now, what difference does that make to us? What difference does it make when we recognize that God is not only here today, but he's with us every moment of every day? Someone once wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of Jesus that was a very important and significant book for a number of people. But you know, the title for me says it all. Practicing doesn't mean getting better, it just means remembering that he's there. So, so I want us to, to just be particularly alert to, what, to the presence of God this morning and what he might be saying to us as we gather you know, sometimes God can seem really close, as close as the person next to you. Other times he can seem far away, but God is always there. When Jesus said, I promised I'll never leave or forsake you, he didn't say, except when. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always until the very end of the age. So God's always with me, and God has made me... Um, I started off with this thing of the significance of being in the presence of God. And I just want you to, I don't want you to miss the simplicity of that. The simplicity of that is that God's with us all the time. Therefore, everywhere we are is special. Therefore, everywhere we are is holy. Because God is in it with us. Amen. Amen. That's good. And I think that's quite good, actually. I think that's quite good. In fact, I could probably stop, and I probably will soon. You know, God made us. That was that other song that we sang. Did you like that song? Well, we didn't actually sing it. We listened to it. Yeah, Slugs and bugs, etc. God made me to be filled and to be made new. And maybe you're here this morning, and you don't know that you have been made new. God doesn't intend us to only be born once. 
He actually intends us to be born again into a whole new level of existence, a whole new way of connecting with the Father. And he's given the opportunity for us and the, the, the ability for that through Jesus, who came to make it possible for us to be connected with him. See, there are two important days in your life, according to Mark Twain, which isn't in the Bible. Um, the Gospel according to Mark Twain. No, the two most important days in your life are the day they're born and the day you find out why. And God's made us for a purpose. You see, when Moses was confronted with what his purpose was, he didn't really want it. He gave lots of reasons why it really ought not be him. But the trouble is that God's God. That isn't always a problem, but in terms of what I want to do with my life and when God tells me I'm going to do something, that can become a problem if that's not what I want to do. Because God is God and I am not. Children, don't listen to this bit. No. Um, you know, so, and that's really important. God says that you are significant. God says you're significant. You are loved. You know, he loved you, so he gave the best thing that he had for you. You're forgiven. You're completely set free from those things that you knew in your old life so that you can live a new life. Not only does he love and forgive you, but he actually treasures you. That was in that scripture that Lorraine brought. He treasures you. You may not feel like many people treasure you. When I look in the mirror in the morning, I know that sounds vain, but blokes, we have to, don't we? So when I look in the mirror in the morning, you know, to deal with my face, that means put on my makeup and stuff. <laughs> I know some people don't have to deal with their faces on a daily basis, Andy, but some of us do. Some of us do. Well, actually, we all have to deal with Andy's... No, we don't. Just Leone. Leone has to deal with Andy's face on a daily basis. We may not feel treasured, but you know what? That doesn't matter a thing. God treasures us. Because his word tells us. Not only that, he prays for us. Jesus prays for us. And he anoints us for a purpose. So how does it feel? If all those things are true about you, how does it feel? I'm going to look through a few things I think will help us that just about what God's made us for, okay? And, and, then, um, and then we're going to finish. But those things are not really about stuff we do. This is about God's attitude to me. There are things that we can do and have the freedom to do now that we've been set free. But that's actually only part of it. God treasures me for who I am. See, God made me. He made me. His, uh, this shows that I must have been reading something that was written by a proper preacher because it all has the same letter. So there you go. God plans me for his pleasure. We're going to look at these in turn. He formed me for his family. He designed me 
to develop spiritually. He shaped me. Now, some people have been making comments about my shape. I'd just like to say that I'm shaped by God. (laughs) I'm shaped to serve him. And I'm shaped not only to serve him, but to serve him by serving others. And I'm also shaped, I'm going to stick with an S because I can't think of anything else, shaped to seek his kingdom. And those are the things that God's made me for. See, there's a day that I'm born, and there's a day that I realise why I was born. And for some of us, we've come to that point of realisation. But actually, you know what? You can take steps from that point of realising it and forget a bit about why you were born. You were not an accident. No matter where you come from, you were not an accident. God knew you before you were born. Psalm 139 tells us that you formed, the psalmist speaking to God, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Even if, even if stuff was going on around my mum at that time, or in my mum's head at that time, that might not have always wanted me to be there. But God had a plan for you. I will give thanks to you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depth of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous that the Bible should say that. Every day of my life, God has worked out, and yet while I'm living like this, I'm choosing exactly what I want to do. But God has a plan for me, and God has a plan you. He delights in you. He planned you for not doing stuff, but because he delights in you. He planned you because um, in Zephaniah it says, the Lord is with, your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. You make God sing. Did you know that? You make, oh, there we go. (laughs) Psalm 18, we've been talking about the broad place. That verse says, it's from Psalm 18, he brought me forth into a broad place. He rescued me because he didn't mind me, thought I was all right, (laughs) thought, well, he'll do. He rescued me because he, what's the word? Delighted in me. You know, when people touch you, they touch the apple of God's eye. That's a funny expression, isn't it? The apple of an eye. I don't really know what an apple of an eye is, except that I know it's pretty special. Out of all peoples, we're a treasured possession. So God planned you because, because he likes you, actually. And he, and he put you together because he delights in you. And he has a hope and a future for every single person on the planet. 
every single person here, God has a plan for you. And he loves you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Because we all know that verse, or many of us have heard that verse before, but I just want you to remember that the verse doesn't need to just be known, but just like Lorraine had this week, when stuff happens that might make you doubt it, that's when you hold on to that truth. And that's true for me and for my children, and for my children's children to the nth generation. God has a plan for me. He formed me for his family. You know, God didn't make you to be alone. He's made you to be joined into a body. And, um, and we're it. Well, we're part of it, actually. And as we gather together, there is a oneness that comes. You know, Jesus said, you'll know, people will know that you're my disciples because you'll tell them. No. People know you're my disciples because you'll have a special walk. People will know you're my disciples because you'll not laugh at the really funny bits in the films. People will know you're my disciples because you have love for one another. And and love is not something you can do on your own. Well, some of us... No. You know, it's like going back to the mirror again, aren't I? You know, you might try... But it's really not very fulfilling. And do you know what? He sets the lonely in families. Relationship is not an optional extra. It's something that God's made us to have and to know and is our identity in Christ. So the next thing was he's designed me not so he's designed me. He planned me for pleasure. He formed me for family. He designed me to develop. So we're not pre-grown, right? You could go to a... You know when you go to um, a garden centre? I've heard they sell plants there. But you can get different sizes, can't you? And if you're in a hurry to get a really good garden, you can go and spend a bit more money and get pre-grown things, can't you? Whereas others, I know, like to grow things from seed, I've heard. Seeds are little round things that we don't know what they look like in my house. But they're little round things. You put them into the ground and they grow and they turn green and they get bigger. God's in the business of growing seeds. Uh, He doesn't expect... We're not pre-grown. But there's something I just particularly felt God reminding me of uh, today. Just... um, I was talking with John just just earlier in the week and I just was thinking about this verse. This verse comes from 2 Corinthians 3. It's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And actually it's connected. In the section 2 Corinthians 3, we're talking about how Moses, when he talked with God, he couldn't actually see God because he had to sort of just see his back. He had veil in the way. But God intends that we should be able to see completely clearly now. The veil has been torn away. So we can look on God's glory. Now we're in the church, and some of us have been in the church a long time, and we kind of get used to it. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you've been wondering what other people have been getting quite so excited about because you've not been in the church for a long time. But God intends that we should be able to know him and know him closely. Verse 18 says, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Put that in a different way. God is changing me from glory to glory to be like him. But I just want you to notice something. It doesn't say God is changing me from something that's not very good to something that's a little bit better. That's not what, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, it doesn't say from something which is just about adequate to something that's maybe just a, you know, slightly more pleasing to God. He's changed you from glory to glory. And for some of us, we need to learn to not despise the glory we're in now. You are glorious. Look at the person next to you and say, you are glorious. You are glorious. Because God said you are. Because God said you are. You're not trying to be. You're not, some, you're not stretching yourself to see if you can make it. But God has made you today glorious. Now tomorrow you might be more glorious. But hey, you're glorious today. So when you're looking in that mirror, tell yourself, you're glorious, because you are. You're designed to develop. Our heart is set on pilgrimage, and, uh, and that's really what I'm talking about. We're, we're not settling, and we're shaped to serve others. This is a daily thing. This is not something that I can sign myself up for and say, oh yeah, I serve people. This is about how I choose to spend my time every day. The Bible talks about taking up our cross in order to follow Jesus. That's not needless suffering. That's about making someone else's life better by the choices that you make. That's not just choosing to do the thing you don't want to do. That's actually about picking up those things which God has given you to show love that by this that all men may know that you are my disciples. Show love in serving. How did I serve him this week? It counts when I'm on holiday too. I'm on holiday, I can say that. Maybe you've been at work. It's whether we're... It's how, how, how we are with one another makes such a difference. And finally, I just want us to, to finish with this thing of seeking the kingdom. You see, God's designed us, sorry, to seek the kingdom of God. And I just want to, isn't it interesting when Jesus, the verse that we all remember about seeking the kingdom is to seek first the kingdom of God and all these, other, these things will be added to you as well. 
But you know what is around it in the scripture? To the right, left and centre is the word worry. It's the word worry. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more than food, more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable, precious, significant than them? How many of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the feed here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, how much more will he not clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry. What should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? For the pagans run after these things. But seek first. Sorry, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And these things will be added to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Lorraine's word about fear. Do not worry. If you're worried and you're in fear, I think that God wants to bring an adjustment to the way that we're seeking his kingdom. Because I think that those that are seeking the kingdom of God should be characterised by an absence of worry and an absence of fear. That's how God's made us to be. And that's how we can be.